This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Gordon, let's finish up our conversation on the Knicks in their first half. And this is a great question for Tibbs, and it's about the mental toughness. And I do think that's one of the things that you're starting to see that's really improved with this team. Uh, and it helps that you have more talent, but the fact that they seem not to, and we'll hear from Tibbs in a second, will, they seem not to panic as much when they are challenged, right? All teams in the NBA make a run. I don't care how bad they are. They all make a run. And they just seem because of the games early in the season where they lost, they gave up big leads, they panicked, Uh you could see that they were playing not to lose, right? They're playing safe. Oh, we got to make. I got to make the perfect pass. I, I, I don't know if I can shoot it. Let me pass it to somebody else. Now I think winning breeds confidence, and I think that's the biggest thing that you're starting to see. Turnovers are down, and their efficiency offensively is up, and they're doing a better job late in games. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'd like to think that <laughs> with the Knicks, I'm always a little leery. Because every time I start to think, well, we can now check this thing and we can check this box and check this box, all of a sudden the next game they'll go into and, and uh, things that you thought you might be able to count on, all of a sudden some bad habits show up again. But look, they're moving in the right direction. This is uh, a year where you're trying to kind of reestablish what you built in that first year. They have done that so far. And um, it's, it's mainly because the, they're a two-headed monster. They're playing like all-stars. Julius Randle is an all-star. Clearly, Jalen Brunson should be an all-star. And for an organization that has been searching for two decades to get stars to come here, figure out a way to get stars to come here, they've kind of built one uh, and developed one in Randall because when he came here, I don't think anybody thought he was a star. Now he's a two-time all-star. And, and certainly with Brunson, nobody thought he was going to be this good. He has been sensational, so... Uh, I think that's a, a large part of it for the Knicks so far this year. And, and hopefully it just keeps going in this direction because now there's a little bit of a crack with the with the Nets breaking up. Maybe you can get a little higher than what you've been and, and you can kind of change the expectations that, uh, that you even have right now. Here's Tibbs on the team's mental toughness. Our leaders did a great job to start the game. I thought RJ's aggressiveness, Julius's uh, Julius with his aggressiveness, and I thought Jalen with that set the tone for the game. And then, you know, I thought Quentin and Jericho gave us really hard playing physicality, and then our bench came in. So it, once we got the lead, I thought we we did a lot of good things on both sides of the ball. And we played tough and we played smart, and I thought we played together. And that's been the difference. And, Gordon, you can see that what Josh Hart has brought in is he's brought some explosiveness off that bench that they'd kind of been searching for some consistency since going to the shorter rotation, right? With, uh, you know, Quickly's really been the most consistent guy off that bench. You know, McBride has shown you McBride's had some decent moments and, you know, Fournier had a game here or there. Uh, but they were really searching to get that consistency off that bench. And, you know, it really hurt them with the top of injury. He's really just, I think, starting now to round back into shape because you're starting to see him get the three a bit more consistently. So I, I think when you look at this, the, the team, the other thing is that the bench has played better, and that, you know, you would think, not that it really happens all the time, but you would think that that might, A, obviously it helps the team, but B, you would think that it would also help maybe cut a minute or two off the starters' <laughs> logging of minutes uh, because you're having some, you're having some, 
you know, effect, and you don't have to bring them back into the game so quickly because you're losing the lead. Well, I mean, if you think about what Tibbs is about, right, like this is the way you kind of draw it up. The Knicks are not a team. We, we've said this a thousand times that they're, they're not the most talented team, right? They're not going to get by on athleticism, really. They're not going to get by on finesse. They're, they're, toughness is what they're – is their bread and butter. So uh, I think that's one of the things that, that he likes about Josh Hart is the toughness there as well. And Brunson is another player who you would say toughness is one of the characteristics that he brings. So um, this is the way I, I think if you are handing the reins of an organization over to Tibbs this, and you're, and you're going to get the best out of it, this is kind of what it's going to look like. Yeah, no question about it. And, you know, you, you just hope that, like, he's, like we said, Gordon, they are able to build and continue – on playing well. Look, you're not going to win every game. We understand that. Right. But if you can continue at least to play well, play winning basketball, to 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 play smart, to you know, to play well defensively, you're going to be in every game and that's all you can ask. Is that you're in every game and and sometimes you're going to win, sometimes you're going to lose, but the fact is you're not beating yourself. And I think the biggest thing for me other than the offensive efficiency that Tibbs is raving about is the fact that they're not turning the ball over as much as they used to, Gordon, and that's huge. Well, having a point guard, should, <laughs> right? <laughs> Finally having a point guard, that's a big part of it. It is. It is. It is. And, you know, but they were turning it over even with him on a couple of occasions. Yeah. I mean, you have to, I mean, we do have to keep in mind, like, he, he just got here, right? Yeah, like, there's going to be an adjustment period. So yep. uh, you're hoping that this is now, uh, this is not a fluky thing, that this is, this is what the team is, is going to look like moving mm-hmm. forward. So, uh, and he's been, I mean, what more can you say about Brunson? Uh, he's been, oh, please. He's been everything you could have asked for and more. Even people that were excited by the move, I don't think anybody thought it was going to look this good. No, it's looked fabulous. It has looked fabulous. All right, Tibbs, uh, assess your team at the All Star break. Well, I think we've steadily improved, but we know there's a long way to go and the challenge will become greater after the break. So we can't feel too good about ourselves, get get our, our rest, recovery to the guys who are going to go uh, and participate in All-Star Weekend. We're you know, very happy for them, for our organization. We want them to enjoy it. But we also know when we come back, we have to be ready to go. We have to keep building. And if we keep the focus in the right place, good things are going to happen. Yeah, and, uh, you know, as we... You know, went over last night, Gordon. There is, you know, they've got a tough stretch uh, yeah. in the first week of March or so. But listen, that's it's not going to be easy. And you just, as I said, you just want them to continue to play hard, play well, and see what happens. And hopefully, don't get injured. And that's the th- scary thing. Look, I hate, I hate to say this because I feel like I'll jinx it. The game that the Hawks just have, the Knicks have not really had those kind of games no. where they don't show up. No, it's I, true. I, I don't remember one that they've had. That, now, look, they they blow leads. Um, they, they have certainly done that. They have, have lost some games that they should have won, clearly. Um, but in terms of effort, the effort is there. And that's the thing that we pointed out that first year mm-hmm. that surprises, that every single night you got the effort from the Knicks, and that was not what was ha- the case last year. There were a lot of games that they didn't show up early or they came yeah. out of the half and they were flat. Or That has gotten back to, and, and with, their, with their talent level, uh, they have to have that. They have to be able to bring it every night because they're not as talented generally as the other teams that they play. So uh, it, that, that's a, a, a Tibbs special. That's yeah. one of the things that his team has, has got to do, and, and they've done that. And you just kind of hope that this is 
it's nice to have it there where even in the beginning of the season, I think the games were entertaining. Mm-hmm. But now you, with the way that things are trending, it does allow you to kind of think, hey, you know what? Maybe. Maybe. Right, it's if possible. they can get to five, maybe I, you know, I don't want to move the goalposts and say, oh, if they don't get to five, that it's going to be mm-hmm. a disappointment. I think as long as they're in the playoffs, one way or the other, that to me is a successful season. Mm-hmm. But uh, it does allow you to kind of get your hopes up a little. It does. It really does. And uh, you know, it, it's it. You just want to be able to Gordon see playoff basketball in the Garden again because it's it's it's. I know it's New York, and I know I'm a Nick fan, and I know I'm biased. But it's nothing like it, Gordon. It just isn't. It's something about playoff basketball in the Garden. And we had it for a, a while. Yeah. And it was a, a routine. It was part of the spring, right? You yeah. get to the playoffs, you know, the, the, the Knicks are playing. They, they get, you know, you, you get into that rhythm of they got game one here. They got game mm-hmm. two there. You know, you got a couple of days off, travel, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we've not had that in a very long time. You know, and I miss it badly. <laughs> I mean, look. I mean, all you need to know is look at the Knicks won a playoff game two yeah. years ago, and people yeah. lost. There's nothing. I don't care. You could say Jets. You could say Mets. You could say any team. Nothing would make this town lose its minds. There would be nothing like a Nick championship. No. Mm-mm. No. It's Not true. even close. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing rivals it. Nothing no. at all. Speaking of the Mets and the Yankees, we'll turn our attention to a little baseball. And, Gordon, we had sad news today about a legendary broadcaster and baseball player passing away. We'll discuss Tim McCarver, and we'll talk a little Mets and Yankees next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. The best baseball analyst ever. He'll be the standard moving forward that others will try to reach. Earlier today, I talked with Aaron Boone, the Yankees manager, who sat in the seat of Sunday Night Baseball as an analyst. And I asked him what made Tim McCarver so great. And he talked about what a terrific storyteller he was, how he gave fans insight into the game with that great Tennessee draw that he had. He was very focusing. You know, and I know that was informed by four decades in the major leagues, breaking in in the 1950s. 50s and his last year was in 1980. That's Buster only remembering the great Tim McCarver, the all-star catcher and Hall of Fame broadcaster, who during 60 years of baseball won two World Series titles with the Cardinals and had a long run as one of the country's most recognized, incisive, and talkative tele- uh, television commentators passed away earlier today. It's hard to stand Damer on ESPN New York tonight here on 987 ESPN. Gordon, what are your memories of Tim McCarver? I remember that he was the first guy that I remember watching who was an analyst who consistently taught me stuff I didn't know. Mm. And as baseball fans, you know, sports fans, that's what that role is supposed to be. But it feels like there's so many guys who either um, they are talking in just the most broad terms and, and, and they're, they're just kind of rehashing everything you already know. Oh, you know, they want to establish the run here. That'll set up the play. You know, everything you already know. Or uh, like John Gruden, he used to be so jargony that you didn't know what the hell he was talking about half the time. (laughs) Tim McCarver hit that sweet spot where he was teaching you something, but it never went over your head. And uh, he was, you know, we, we praise Tony Romo for predicting this or predicting that. I mean, 
he was the first guy that I remember doing that, of, of saying, you know, be careful with the way uh, – the two that come to mind immediately as a Yankee fan, A, um, 96, the Mark Wohler sticking with the slider, mm-hmm. talking about you don't want to get beat with your third best pitch, you want to get beat with your best pitch, and then Leyritz hits the home run to tie game four, and that, that's the good one. The bad one, which uh, I was just reading about, but I remembered before this, and Andrew Marshan's column in the Post about uh, Luis Gonzalez, the – the base hit um, against Mariano Rivera in uh, 2001, you know, with Rivera, you know, pointing out his cutter. A lot of people are left-handed hitters are able to, you know, moving the infield in there is a mistake because they usually go the other way and, mm-hmm. and, and can bloop in a hit. So he was the first guy to me that kind of you could consistently learn stuff by watching. And all these analysts, they know way more than we do. Yeah. But yeah. sometimes they don't they don't do anything to really display that, or they don't do it in the best way. Tim McCarver, uh, Tim McCarver did it in the best way. As a matter of fact, Gordon, we have Bob Costas talking about that exact situation. And one of the things that sets an analyst apart in any sport is the first guess. Memorably, 2001, Game 7, Mariano Rivera on the mound. The Yankees have to bring the infield in. Rivera all but unhittable. But before the fact, with Gonzalez at the plate, Tim says... One of the things with the cutter, you get a lot of broken bats. You get a lot of balls off the fists. You get a lot of little loopers. And what happens? Gonzalez hits a little bloop back of short that you or I could have caught, Chris. But uh, Derek Jeter was in on the infield grass. It was over his head. No one had a chance. And that won the World Series. Tim did stuff like that all the time. He was, Gordon, he was better than some managers who are who do analytical work in the sense of, you know, like you said, just just bringing you inside, taking you, mm-hmm. te- teaching Absolutely. you the game, and and making you understand. Here's the strategy behind it. Here's this. It was a pleasure for me, as a Met fan. It was, we've got Tim McCarver calling our games. Yes, exactly. I mean, it was like sure. it was like, oh man, we're not that we're legitimate, but you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. It, it was it was like, boy, this is a treat. Did I love Bob Murphy and Lindsey Nelson and Rob Carter? Absolutely loved them. You know, all, all the guys that they had, you know, I loved them, loved them. But Tim McCarver, okay, this is different. This is Tim McCarver calling the game. And here's Bob Costas talking about Tim McCarver calling Met games. In the prime of his career, when he was doing Met games uh, with Ralph Kiner, primarily at his side and others, he was so good on those games, analytically, but also anecdotally. He was a terrific storyteller. He had tremendous insight into the game. Yeah, he was he, he was great. And then, of course, Gordon, it was a little sad to see him go and call games for you guys. <laughs> Absolutely, right? Yeah, but I mean, that was the thing. He was also a New York guy, even though he didn't play for the New York mm-hmm. teams. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, no, I mean, he had a great connection here, and um, certainly be a big... Uh, you, you wonder, you know, you see all the con- the contracts that the, uh, the analysts have gotten oh here God. in the last few years. What would he have gotten? Right. I mean, he was, he was at oh. the top of his game, so... Um, yeah, uh, a big loss uh, with the the loss uh, with the news today. No question about it. He will definitely be missed. He will definitely be missed. So, Gordon, let's talk a little baseball now. Um, <laughs> I can just see I, I when I when this when the announcement was made by Aaron Boone about the uh, situation with Frankie Montas, there were two people I thought of: <laughs> you uh-huh. and Eli from Washingtonville. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh no! Now I'm getting limped in with Eli. Oh no! As the first, those are the first two people I thought of, and it's funny. Our our uh, good friend and loyal listener, uh, Jay Blaze NYC, tweeted at us, Gordon, a little bit ago. He said, Uncle L, uh, Grasso was correct. Cashman must make a call to the Brewers about Burns because, as Dave and Rick said, the Montas trade was an epic fail. So, obviously, Volpe and Peraza has to be in the deal. Do it. They both can't stay. Didn't get Castillo. What are your thoughts about that? So, I'll, I'll, I'll let you go first as the Yankee fan. But I'm just, you know, I texted you yesterday. I'm just like, Cashman and pitchers, they just don't, they just don't measure up. He's had so much bad success with trying to get fail uh, yeah no it's i mean unbelievable that, yeah, i mean it's, it's, wipe it's amazing. out consistently consistently uh the idea that the yankees are now going to trade get it through your heads people yeah yeah they are yeah. not trading anthony volpe they are not trading anthony volpe he i don't know when he's going to come up he i don't think it's going to be this year I, I he could have the greatest spring training in the history of spring trainings i don't think he's starting the season with the, the big club Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that it's probably going to be Peraza as long as he doesn't have a terrible spring. If he does have a terrible spring, it's going to be IKF. So get that part out of your head. They're not going out and trading Anthony Volpe. Uh, much like the uh, Justin Field to the Jets, is a 100% chance that there's a 0% chance that that's going to happen. There's a 0% chance that that's going to happen. When, when the Montas thing happened, i got to be honest with you, Larry, I wasn't crushed. No. Because... No. The Yankees, over the last few years, you cannot take them at their word. Mm. It's, it's one of those situations of who are you going to believe, what, it, it, me or your lying eyes? Mm-hmm. There are so many times, IKF last year, Donaldson last year, Aaron Hicks, uh, Araldis Chapman, where they'll tell you, oh, no, this guy's really close. This guy's close to turning things around, and they're not close to turning anything around. So you never want to see somebody get hurt. But the fact that Frankie Montas is not going to be part of it, and we know that now for sure, I'm not all that crushed. Because when Mm. they got him, I thought it was a mistake then. And it was a mistake then. They They got damaged goods. They got the wool pulled over their eyes. They made a mistake trade. They panicked when they couldn't get Luis Castillo. And you thought of Eli from Washington. I wish I could remember some of the callers who told me that Frankie Montas is just as good as Luis Castillo. There were a few of them. There were. <laughs> I have they not heard from them. them. I don't know. They might, they might, uh, they might have gone missing. I'm not sure where they went, but they've gone missing. So um, I, I was, I'll be honest with you, I'm not all that disappointed because I know if Frankie Montas had pitched and, and pitched anything close to how he pitched last year, we would have heard, oh, no, he's close. We really feel like we like the velocity. We saw some good things. The Yankees, you cannot trust them at their wording. Think about all the times they told us about Gary Sanchez's defensive metrics mm-hmm. and all this nonsense. It's nonsense. So, uh, I, I mean, and for anybody, another one, for anybody who's, one, oh, you know what, Cashman's got to be feeling the heat. Brian Cashman last year had, now the team itself had a great year. 99 wins, you know, the playoffs notwithstanding. But, you know, overall, Mm -hmm. win the division, 99 wins, all that. Oh, good. Brian Cashman had a horrendous year. Awful. Horrendous. One of the worst, well, two of the worst trades that he's ever made and been on the job for 20. To think, you could make not one, but two of the worst trades you have ever made in your job in the same season 
and get rewarded with a new contract <laughs> extension, Larry. <laughs> that Donaldson and IKF trade, the Twins must have laughed their heads off when they found that somebody was going to be taking Donaldson's contract off their hands. Yeah. That's another one. Oh, his defense, his defense, it's gold glove level defense. He didn't even get nominated for the gold glove. Yeah. Never mind not win the gold glove. This on the heels of the trade he made the year before that brought that, that power hitting right fielder to the team. I don't want to mention his name because it gets people crazy. Oh, uh, yeah, Gallup. Oh, no, yeah. But, I mean, they, they have all these moves that they tell you, oh, no, 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 you, you just don't understand. Remember when they're throwing away at bats on Rugnit Odor the year before? <laughs> oh, my God. You just can't trust them at their word. You can't. And I don't think that they're lying. I, I do question their judgment. I think you have to question their judgment. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and, and look, you want to get really scary. Montas's injury is not scary. To me, mm -hmm. that's not scary because I was not counting on him. Right. And, and I'm not ever going to count on him because mm -hmm. it's a shoulder injury and shoulder injuries are, are yeah. really bad. If you're a Yankee fan and you want to go there, Carlos Rodon and the contract, and look, he's, when he's on, he's great. A mm -hmm. lot of injuries in that guy's career. A yeah. lot of injuries. And, yeah. and, and if you have an injury-prone pitcher who is coming off uh, career highs in innings and strikeouts and uh, basically every metric, uh, it would, and, and Brian Cashman's track record in terms of pitchers, <laughs> that, uh, whew, that could be a perfect storm right there, my friend. You don't have to tell me. <laughs> you know I know about pitchers coming off injuries mm -hmm. when they've been injured a lot. <laughs> I just got rid of one. Yeah. So, you know, I know. Oof. I know good what you're talking about, my friend. I really do. I really do. As a matter of fact, we'll hear from Carlos and Garrett Cole as well. And maybe we'll hear from Aaron Boone. No, we won't put. We won't have a mind meld with Gordon Stewart. Oh, we'll have a spring training. I can't, I can't do it yet. I, I, I need spring training. Gordon, <laughs> Gordon's head would explode. We'll do that. We'll hear from the Yankees, and we'll hear from the Mets a little later. Who I got some issues with because half the team is in the baseball is is is, is in the you know playing playing the 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 World Baseball Classic. Team, yeah, playing Come for on. Team USA. Yeah, you got to spread the team word. Team USA. Yes. Oh my gosh. They're Better you guys than USA, us. Playing for Dominican <laughs> Republic. Playing everywhere, but but here. We'll continue the conversation next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. There's an interesting uh, website called Baseball Savant I'm sure you guys know about. And you can go and see like time between pitches. I think I'm kind of like middle of the pack, but I, I don't know what their their time's based off of. I'm not sure what the 20 second timer is. Like, is it when the catcher throws back the ball? Do you know the answer to that? I'm I not don't. sure. I don't either. I'm sure I'm about to find out in about 12 minutes in that meeting. I'll, I'll be able to tell you what the exact <laughs> rule is. But you know, I work fairly fast, so I'm not so worried about the 20 seconds. What's going to be nice is the games are going to go by quicker. So yeah. that'll be nice for the fans and you guys. You don't have to sit there as long. <laughs> And there's going to be an issue, Gordon, with these pitchers trying to figure out and manage the pitch clock. Oh, and my God. It's, Baseball it's players and change? <laughs> oh, my Lord, Larry. It's going to take about four months. Oh, <laughs> more like four years, they'll still be – I mean, you have guys that, like, throw at guys because three years ago they stood and watched a home run for too long. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It is. It is. It's ESPN New York tonight. So, Gordon, let's hear from Garrett Cole. 
and this is this is <laughs> I don't know what they expected him to say, but this is what he said when he was asked, "Do you think you can win a World Series?" Yeah, I feel like yeah, I believe in our team. Maybe there's a bit more hope when I was on the Pirates. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good for him. Yeah. He's not really a that's pretty he's pretty I, light. I, I mean, what kind of question is that? Do you think you can win a World Series? You supposed to say no. Nah, I don't <laughs> well, know. Not this year. I don't know. Hey, hey Gordon, have you seen our left fielder? <laughs> he's gonna answer it like Lou Brown in Major League. Uh, you wanna coach the Indians this year? I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh and of course, Another question I'm sure you'd love if you were there, Gordon. He was asked about losing to the Astros oh, great. in the ALCS. Well, I mean, we got waxed. So anytime you get waxed, it doesn't feel good, whether you're going to the salon or you're on the baseball field. So, <laughs> um, yeah. He he's been working up. on his material. I don't know if he's been working. If he's been working on his stuff as much as he's been working on his material, he's going to have a big year. year. It could be Cy Young this year, boy. Never know. Like that. You never know. Thirty-six million dollars. You never know. It would be nice. It would be nice. <laughs> One of them. We have to be careful with something. Now, Aaron Judge, who was at spring training early, Gordon, mm-hmm. before you know, he was there before pitchers and catchers. He was down there, and he was working out at first base. So obviously, somebody noticed this and asked Aaron Boone. Can we see Judge? I should. I'm sorry. Let me get you in the mood. Can we see Judgey at first base this season? We yeah. talked about competition, so Riz better be. You know, no, yeah, that's just him. We got DJ and IKF and those guys over there taking ground balls. We need someone to take the throws over there. So I don't expect you to see him out there this year. You know, maybe five years from now, maybe something we're talking about. But I know that story had some legs, but it was much ado about nothing. All right. Well, let's ask you about this. Well, Thank God Volpe... we have IKF there. Oh, I right? just want to point out. Oof, I feel so much better. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe he won't be there because Aaron Boone was asked, "What does Volpe have to do to make the team?" I don't know. I mean, I don't know specifically how to answer that. Like, if I feel like, or he looks like the best option, or like he's ready to go do this. You know, we wouldn't be adverse to doing that. But I don't think there's. He's got to do this, this, and that. It's you know, you kind of watch and it'll show itself. I don't know if I answered that question. I don't know. If the, I don't know about the answer to that question, Gordon. Go ask I Brian Cashman. Know. He's going to tell me who makes the team. Come on. What he's got to do? Know. I don't know. Ask Brian. <laughs> oh man, he's got to play well, Gordon. That's what he's got to do. Will he's he have the opportunity? He, see, that's the question. I, I'll tell you right. I'll go out on a limb. There's no uh-huh. chance he starts the year in the majors. Oh, None. Awful. Oh, None. Come on. They're going to run through. This is what they do. They run through all the other options, and then when they don't work, then, you know, you get to maybe mid I don't. I don't think that Volpe will, will play at all, maybe at all in the majors this year. I mean, he's mm-hmm. still still a very young player. He's still having some adjustments uh, to shortstop. Some reports are that they don't think that he'll be a shortstop in the major leagues. Uh, he's not played that many games at, at AAA. Mm-hmm. So uh, it would not shock me at all if you know if Peraza come gets the job, right, and holds it down. I don't think that they want to rush him to the. This is the crown jewel, man. Yeah. So 
It would not shock. I think there's a far better chance that he does not play at all than plays and makes the team out of spring training. Okay. But do you see him coming up during the season some some point? Well, that's what they say, but I don't know, man. It's It still seems like, um, I mean, you know. What are they waiting for? We need to see if he can play. Wow. But he's not. he might not be ready to play. I mean, he's still a very young, uh, a very young guy. So uh, if if you, I mean, he's still he's twenty one. Okay, he turns twenty two uh, in April. Mm-hmm. So even if he's twenty two, that's still pretty young. He only had, um, let's see here, Triple A last year. He played twenty two games at Triple A last year. Okay, he had he had just under a hundred. Uh, excuse me, he had eighty nine at bats at Triple A. All right, so he needs he needs at least half a season. Yeah, at least. Half and a it season. wasn't like he was killing it at AAA. 236, 313, 405. Mm-hmm. No, he's not. No, he's no. struggling. Yeah, so he's I, 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 look, I would rather he come up a little bit later and mm-hmm. be ready rather than come up and and not succeed, and then you start that whole rigmarole. You send him down. Do you bring him back up? The I mean, this guy's going to have enough pressure on him. Yeah. Whatever yeah. he does show. Yeah. No question about it. How concerned are you with the pitching staff? Uh, you got Cortez with the uh, hammy. You've got, uh, you know. I'm not worried yet, but I don't, uh, I don't really like building. You know, Peter said something on the K show. I think it was yesterday. Maybe it was Monday. I'm not sure. What's today? Today's Wednesday? Thursday? Thursday. Mm-hmm. Thursday. It might have been Tuesday. I don't even know mm-hmm. what day it is. Um, but he said, you know, th- there's nothing more overrated than starting pitching based on what mm-hmm. you have to pay them. Yeah. And how much they actually impact the game. He, I think he's absolutely right. Yeah. So I'm not really worried that much about the pitching, but are there concerns? Of course. Pitching, mm-hmm. building your team around pitching is is fraught with with injuries and and concerns and everything else. And <laughs> I mean, I you talk about you talk about Nestor throwing more innings last year than he's ever yeah. thrown before. Uh, yeah. Cole has been exceedingly healthy in his in his time here, but. Yeah, it was always, a, you know, it only takes one pitch. <laughs> yeah, we, we detail Rodon, Rodon's injuries history. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, there's Severino. Don't need to go down that road. Oh, please. Yeah. So if it yeah. all lines up well, it could be it could be really good. Yep, it could be. It could it doesn't be. fix the offense, which is always a problem in the playoffs. But no, the yeah. pitching could be really good, Larry. It could be. It could be. Um, on the other side of town. Francisco Lindor, Gordon, this for me is this is an interesting season for him. Uh, he showed you he was very streaky last year, mm-hmm. but in some key moments he did not come up big, right? And and so you're looking for. I mean, listen, he was available. He played 161 games, so he was there. He mm-hmm. wasn't like he wasn't. He he was available. So give him credit for that. But I, I need a little bit more from him, Gordon. I need some more consistency from him. I mean, I know the numbers he had more homers for shortstop. I get it. He had a he had a really good year, and I'm not poo pooing the year he had. But I, I I just need him to be more consistent. And when you look at how, you know, it, it's going to stick with me, and and it'll I'll let it go after the the spring training starts and we get to the regular season. But Gordon, that that collapse in Atlanta. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At the end, it's it's hard for me to get over, and sure. it wasn't just him. No, I mean it was a, the, the team collapsed mm-hmm. offensively, pitching wise, they collapsed, and so you know, yeah, they made some adjustments. Obviously, you know, Justin Verlander's here, uh, you know, uh, Degrom is gone, 
but you know, Verlander's could be more available than Degrom was, and he's forty. So I mean, you know, that that's a positivity. But I'm I'm just I I got to wait and see how this team is. And for me, I I just think I need more from Lindor. Uh, I can see that. Uh, now he did. I think he finished in the top ten in MVP. But when mm-hmm. you got him, the thought was here: you're getting this twenty-six-year-old superstar, and he's been last year. He was very good. He was. Um, but. You're right. It seemed like when the collapse came, it was all about the pitchers, the pitchers, the pitchers, and the focus wasn't on the guy who's making all the money in the lineup and yeah. is supposed to kind of be the engine uh, of the lineup in Lindor. So, uh, yeah, no, it's a big year for him. You know, he, the first year was, I think, pretty much disappointing across the board. Uh, last year, he certainly bounced back. So maybe th- that first year was an adjustment period to, to playing in New York and the contract and all those type of things. You'd like to think that you'll get something even more than what you got this past year. Yeah, and and you know they've added some pieces, so they're they're a better team. There's no mm-hmm. question about it. And here's Lindor in the Mets offseason. It feels great. It feels great that us as baseball players are working as hard as we can day in and day out to be the best player we can be and to help the team win. And whenever we have the front office, Billy and Steve and everyone else, you just put in the same energy towards building a great team. It feels great. When you can match the energy of the front office and the front office can match our energy, good things happen. And I'm extremely excited for what the future holds. And I'm glad we're in spring training. We're getting things going. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh... Gordon, it is nice to see the the bats and the balls come out. You know, it's, it's nice to. Well, it feels like it feels coming. like uh, the season's right around the corner with the weather here. The it last does. couple it of really days, it really does. It really does. It's nice. I've I've been enjoying it. I've been enjoying it. When we return, Buck Showalter will uh, will pick his brain, going about the shifts, the pitch clock, the new bases, and what he's going to do this season. I mean, 101 wins and this season's a disappointment. That's crazy. We'll hear from the Met manager next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. It's very simple, Gordon. For the Mets, it's about winning the World Series. Everything yeah, is about getting to the postseason and winning the World Series. I mean, or get, getting to the World Series. Okay, when you if you get there, you know, your chances of winning right there, you know, but it's about getting to the World Series. Everything that Steve Cohen has done, all the money he has spent, uh, all the all the things that he has worked on, it's about winning a World Series with this team in two to three years. And the first year, um, you know, a successful regular season for the most part, 101 wins is fabulous. But, you know, the postseason makes it mute. It no question. Does. Yeah. It just does. Uh, I saw something that the Mets spent like uh, in total dollars this off season. Something like I can't be right, but like eight hundred million dollars or whatever it is um, that you don't spend that money to to win the division. No, Mm-mm. it's it's about winning it all. And and I I would think that with Buck as their manager, with all these rule changes. That is a major advantage to have somebody who's been around the block and, and looks at it from all the different angles and everything else as your manager in the moment. Yeah. Uh, that's a real value add there. So uh, they, they probably will be better um, equipped to adjust to whatever the rule changes are in terms of the shift and, and everything else with, with somebody who's been around the block as much as Buck has. I would feel better if everybody was here 
when they were going through it, but they're all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> Got to grow the, the game, Baseball Classic uh, With the World Baseball Classic, which are not using those rules. <laughs> yeah. How are they ever going to do it with those small bases? Yeah. <laughs> How are you going to deal with that? <laughs> uh, well, let's hear from Buck Showalter. He weighs in first on the shifts and the pitch clock. There's a lot of unknown about the shifts. I think we're all going to be fascinated by how that plays out. I asked a question about a hitter of ours yesterday in our meetings that everybody assumes that the shift, lack of shift will help them. I said, do you think it'll help them or hurt them? Now, somebody can handle a bat. You really almost wish they would shift, wouldn't you? So by not being able to shift, will that hurt them or help them? I've been thinking about that lately. The uh, pitch clock is, you know, we, we're doing some things with uh, drills today with that in mind about signals that you're giving for instance first and third first and second trail runner lead runner infield depths there's a lot of stuff that the catcher gives sometimes infielders give that you're going to have to speed up the process and and figure out a way to do it quicker so you don't get charged you got x amount of time to do it in so it's about preparation with him, right, Gordon? Just like you said, Absolutely. he's ready, ready to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's ready to go. And, and I agree with him. I think that the shift, getting rid of the shift, it doesn't it doesn't help the the all around hitter. It helps the lefty. It helps Joey Gallo. That's who mm-hmm. it helps getting rid of the shift. Because now, right? I mean, they were they were hitting into the shift. They didn't care. They were still they were still going to do what they did. So now that they get the shift out of there, well, they're not going to change. Now they're they're just going to go back to what they've done the entire time. Yeah, there's no question about that. You're right. Uh, here's Buck Showalter on the new fluffy bases, Gordon. Mm-hmm. You know the one that, that kind of caught me off is how different the bags look. I didn't think that inches would matter as much. That is, for people that have looked at bases their whole life, to see them out there different, it's a different look. Even today covering first base and some of the pitchers we're talking about, a different feel and look going over to cover it. First baseman have been talking about difference it makes. I think that may have a little more impact than I initially thought. Something that looks and feels so much different, not so much, but different, be like, you know, making the rubber bigger or the plate bigger. When you're used to doing something for a lot of years, it's a different look. They look almost double the size, Gordon. <laughs> it looks. So I got to be honest with you. A week into the season, I'll have completely forgotten. Yeah, you're probably right. You're right. But just looking at them right now, it's like, what? Why? Why? Why that big? Why? It's, it's just. It's. Did they get? Did they get the giant bases from the the same guy that was making? Remember, David Wright had that giant helmet that time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe they got them from the same guy. I'm not sure. Yeah. I, what What is the point of the giant bases? Less injuries, more well, stolen that was bases. One of the, well, it's supposed to be possibly more. Well, the, the more stolen bases is going to be really with the limited time that you throw over. But mm-hmm. they were also saying that that would help with the stolen bases. And the other thing is less injuries for the infielders because people were sliding into. But Gordon, mm-hmm. I didn't see a bunch of. I mean. Of course, it happens. Yeah. But I didn't see a, a preponderance of, of center field, second baseman the shortstops limping off the field uh, during the season. I'm sure it happens. You get spiked. I, I get it. But for the most part, it is, it's, they just want to change. People got to get a little more used to change. I mean, yes. people hate change. Oh, and especially baseball. I remember when they first introduced Easy Pass. That <laughs> first day at the Midtown Tunnel. It was a it was a disaster, right? Because mm-hmm. nobody knew what the hell was going on, and you get in the easy pass lane. They don't have the easy pass. Oh, it was it was a catastrophe. It was. Now imagine life if we didn't have easy. And there, Larry, there are still people that don't have the easy pass. I know. I mean, you talk about stubborn. Yeah. 
I like to go past them and laugh at them when I, when I go past. I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? This allows you to avoid lines. Yeah, it does. It does. And listen, um, in Jersey, they still have the boots. A lot of places here in the city, in New York, they don't even have yeah, the boots anymore. They got rid yeah. of them. Yeah. There's no boots. You, you, if you, it's the honor you, system. You can, <laughs> no, it's not the honor system. You get your bill in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. Uh, we know you went through here, and we want our money. <laughs> We want our money. We want it right now. One more, Gordon, before we uh, okay. uh, end, our, end our baseball conversation tonight. And it is with, I guess he's the ace, Justin Verlander. I mean, is it him? Is it is it Scherzer? I, I don't know. But I guess he's the ace since he's starting opening day. And uh, he says he believes he can pitch well, Gordon, until 40s? I think I'm, I'm constantly adapting, always seeking out new information with the end goal of that information being I can carry my career as long as I possibly can and, and stay at my peak for as long as I possibly can. You know, you've seen some guys in, in the history of our sport and other sports that have been able to carry it well into their 40s, and I don't see why not. You know, so with that in mind, it's like, let's not sell myself short, work just as hard as I ever have, work harder than I ever have. I mean, it doesn't get easier, but I think, you know, the old adage, work smarter, not harder, is something that pops in my mind. I think once you start knowing your body and routine so well you can fine-tune it very easily and kind of ebb and flow and adapt try new things see what works and that's really it I mean there's so much more information coming out now with analytics and in the weight room and in the training room there's just uh, you're inundated with new opportunity and I love the opportunity to learn and, and see what works and what doesn't and I'm not afraid to try new things and see what sticks Gordon for me I am I'm happy we have him uh I'm just and I've said it before and I'm just gonna say it again Pitchers are not as dominant when they leave Houston as mm. they are when they're in Houston. And so I'm just very curious to see how how effective he's going to be. I have no doubt that he will be close to the Justin Verlander that we've seen. Uh, it's just, Gordon, I just need him to be on his game when we face Atlanta. <laughs> that's all I need. I need him to be on his game when we face Atlanta because that, that's the team that is still, still, going to haunt me as a Met fan. They just do. They just do. Until you get over that mountain, that is the mountain. It's crazy. It's just crazy. It is. So uh, it's going to be an interesting season. That's all I can say. It's yeah, be it should be fun. Season. All right. We, we talk about the I Knicks. So. We want to be entertained. The Knicks uh, season has done that. Uh, the Yankees and Mets season, well, the expectations are far higher. Yes, absolutely. Much higher. So, Much. Let's, so the, if, they, if they don't match them early on, they'll hear about it. That's no question about that. All right, partner, enjoy your vacation. Yes, uh, you'll be flying solo next week. So uh, I'm sure some of the callers will be very happy to hear that. But uh, I'll be back in a week. All right, and some will not be happy to hear that. But you enjoy your vacation, partner. We'll see you soon. All right, Larry. Thanks, man. That wraps up this edition of ESPN New York Tonight. We'll see you on Sunday. And look, I'm not your friend, so I'm not your friend. I'm your enemy.